What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, I'm just so honored to have Robert Cromines on my podcast. Like, he is such a huge part of why I am the way that I am. And if you've never heard of him, if it's a, if it, this is your first time being introduced to him, which I highly doubt, but if it is, just take it in, listen to it over and over and over and over and over again if you can, if you want to. There's just so much value in this. Like, I'm gonna listen to it like 20 times. It's so close to my heart this interview you have no idea there are some days and moments you'll never forget and this was one for me when I got to speak with one of my mentors at length for almost two hours one-on-one and it's just an honor to share it with you I hope you grow from it and I hope you listen to every single word up everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. It's an honor today to interview, not really interview, talk to one of my biggest mentors of all time. Um, I tell you guys all the time on the podcast that when I was starting out in hairdressing school, I listened to his tapes to and from school for 45 minutes every single day. And he brainwashed me into being an amazing stylist and wanting to open a salon. Like I love Robert Cromines. He has been a huge part of my journey. And I would not be where I am today without him. So being here on the podcast with him is a dream come true. And we're just going to chit chat. And um, if you've never heard of him, get out from under the rock. And (laughs) I'm glad to introduce you to him. But those of you who do know him and who have been following him for years like me, I really hope you enjoy this. I know you will. But yeah, be sure to share this with your friends. And let's go. Hey, Robert. Hi, Gina. And I just want to make it clear from the start, I didn't teach you how to use the F word. That was Tabitha. <laughs> that was Tabitha. <laughs> but you know, I get a lot of questions, so I still make those tapes. The first one I made that maybe you listened to may have been The Art of Making Money. Yep. And what's interesting about that is when I really started my company, it's kind of my beginning philosophy. And sometimes you can have a creative idea and not have another one for 25 years. And what the pandemic's taught me is how to be creative again. And kind of like when you're building a store, like your beautiful space, you had to imagine that. And that's when we get very creative. And I think a lot of owners in the same position, we all have that new salon feeling right now. And, you know, everybody that was coaching before COVID that's had no salon experience, I don't want to hear about it. I only want to talk to people that have been through some type of devastation from this. I'm so happy to be Robert Crummies because I talk to salon owners around the world. Uh, There's a lot of people in the same boat, maybe not the same ocean. uh, But the reality is there's a lot of people going through changes that they did not expect. They did not bring upon themselves. And I guess what's really going to define us in the future is how is the business model going to shift? How are we going to shift as an industry? Because, you know, all that conversation when we first shut down that we are... um, What's the word they use? That we, they can't live without us. What's, we're, we're necessity. What was the word? Essential. 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 <laughs> yeah, what the world found out, we're not as essential as we thought. So a lot of clients have lost confidence, whether it's safety. Uh, you know, there's so many things to do. Uh, you know, I don't want to date your podcast, but Super Bowl was on recently. And my favorite part of the Super Bowl was not the halftime show. Really what it was, was a commercial for Alaska Airlines that went way off on the safety protocols of what their airlines do and to sanitize and protect. Target ran a similar commercial. 
this is the new way to advertise. This is a, a beautiful thing if you really adhere to it and you honor it. Uh, the other conversation that's coming up now, you know, my dentist office called me and said, we've all been vaccinated. A company I was dealing with in the UK recently, uh, a plumber's organization had all had vaccines. So if you were calling Roto-Rooter, uh, you'd actually be compelled to call this other plumbing company because you know there's a bit of safety built in. And I think this is the new normal for us. And, you know, for those of you that are honoring the systems and taking care of your clients and keeping safety in mind, I congratulate you. And for those of you that think it doesn't really matter, I think you're missing out at the point of view of the client's optics. What does the client see when they sit in your chair? You know, years ago, Gina, on my first tape series, I would talk about people leaving the salon. Number one reason they left, it was dirty. It's not ironic. So just 100%. because people didn't sleep, they wouldn't clean their brushes. The reality is you've got the same old stinky comb on every client. We hand wrap each one and saran wrap every brush, every comb. We open it up like it's an iPad brand new for Christmas, making a big deal of it, these safety protocols. And I think they're very, very important. Whether you believe in the virus, you don't, no matter where you sit politically, because of what we do, we don't have a choice. And I want everybody to understand that this is just the new normal that we have to face. And if we truly love people, this is how we protect them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first salon, Gina Bianca here, we had an employee-based salon and my main thing was we want to make sure that it's like so clean you could eat off the floor. Like we used to be crazy with cleaning and we still are at the network, but, um, and a lot of my stylists from GBH work at the network. And so they're all very like aware of the how like I expect everything super clean, but I totally agree with you. Um, what we did in the beginning is we, and currently through now is make a big deal about the safety protocols. We also want our guests to feel normal too. Like we don't want to make it like that. It's so scary for them to come in, but I totally agree with what you're saying that it's how we have to market now. Mm -hmm. And you know, companies, I, I keep using the airlines, a couple of reasons I love the airlines, they're scheduled to lose $200 billion this year. We think we're hurting. Uh, but what you do see is airlines like Delta making a big deal about the spacious seat in between. Um, they're getting higher bookings because people are a little reluctant. So for me, when I start looking to the future, uh, I may draw that line and I suggest to all my employees that we actually get a vaccine to give that, again, optic to the client that we are the safest salon in the country. And I think these are things that you should be thinking about. Now, talking to a salon in the UK, she goes, well, and I don't mean this in any derogative way. She happens to have a day spa and she has some people who happen to be Asian. And she said, well, they're not gonna do it, but the rest of the team will. I go, well, no, nah, this is a line draw. You either do or you don't. But if you do, I think you'll find a way that people may see you attractive as an employer because you are being extra safe because it's not just the client that's lost confidence. Certain hairdressers, I've lost three or four. Uh, one that moved to Washington State, been with me 20 years. Uh, one that's not returning until the vaccine circulated. Uh, we've seen a lot of part-time people really concerned about their safety. So I'm just saying I'm in a position right now where there's three or four things I've got to focus on to get out of this. One is rebuilding the client's confidence, new clients, using digital consultations, something we're very hot and passionate about. In the safety of your own home, Gina, we'll give you a consultation, showing you pictures, what are your goals and limitations, taking you through that journey. Because if I had to say one thing that I judge on the industry, uh, we drop the ball after the first and second consultation. By the time we get to the third, it's, come on, Gina, get in a schmuck. I'll see you at the chair. <laughs> yeah, Good, you're right. Gina your hair i'll meet you at the chair if we could so what i'm saying now more than ever we've got to lay elevate the constant 
bring it up to a whole new level. And that transparency of communication, whether it's shadow root, whether it's toners, we need to be upfront about that. So I'm really excited about the digital consultation, giving people that reality that on a you know a certain day that you may be off, you may have three three leads to call, and your job there is to give them a beautiful consultation that turns into a result of booking in the salon. And I think this is a big reality we're facing. The other thing I've got to do is recruit. Uh, my staff, I've lost four or five throughout the two, three close downs we've had. And the other thing that I'm looking at, the majority of the team are part-time right now. You know, in the old days, I talk about needing 200 loyal clients to be successful. Then I narrowed it down for the millennials because they don't work many hours to 150. And after the pandemic, I'm going to 100 loyal guests times a great average ticket times frequency of visit. And these yes. are the things that define you. And, you know, we've talked about these things over the years, but the reality is now you have no choice. Every client you touch, you've got to retain. Uh, you've got to make a big deal about the safety protocols in order to get referrals. There's still nothing better than the word of mouth referrals. And it's the experience in the salon um, that really has seen in our indicators. We've seen more new clients coming to our store recently since uh, since the pandemic and a lot of that's because the word on the street is we are taking the safety protocols the gold standard of safety to the highest level so you know i don't know if you got any of the ppp money um we Barely. got the first yeah that helped we got the second round and i'm actually using it recruit we're putting in signing bonuses so if it was gina bianca with a full book you've got i could give you up to a thousand dollars to join our operation and again just taking advantage of that money not just using normal payroll but taking it to the next level the other thing that we celebrate gina which you'll love because i think you're a huge advocate for this is average ticket average ticket average ticket forget what you charge for a haircut it's irrelevant i don't care if you charge twenty dollars if you know what you're doing a twenty dollar haircut a forty dollar color a fifteen dollar treatment and some take home you've now got the ticket to a hundred dollars this is what defines you jesus says we're all equal i don't believe it we all perform at a different level and i think we have to step up our game and imagine this fewer clients more meaning slow down the mechanism and now, and I can prove this, Gina, I do a lot of datafication with, you know, Millennium, they got 25,000 users. The average service ratio, which is the same way of looking at an average ticket, was about a 1.2 for the whole industry. In our own salon before we closed down, it was probably about a 1.3. Now we're back up at a 2.0, which means we're pretty much established more services per guest. So while the volume of the business is down, our performance is up. So the business was built on volume, pace, we need to lose that crazy pace because it wasn't good for us. We weren't eating lunch. We weren't remembering a name. We weren't doing a thorough consultation. We weren't making recommendations for take home or retail, which is an indicator of retention. If I sell you two bottles of Paul Mitchell, you're gonna stay with me. If I sell you zero, it means you didn't believe my bullshit today. You know, it's authority that we need. And when people say, well, nobody's buying, nobody's buying. Well, you're not convincing enough. If you're not convinced, they won't be convinced. And I think this is something people need to understand. So now more than ever, if you are starting again, the way that you protect yourself is really working on these principles to become the ultimate performer. That's really what I'm after. And I'm not talking about platform artistry. I'm talking about behind the chair and the best Robert Crummings there is, the guy behind the chair, not the one on stage. I'm funny, I'm charming, I take risks, but I lift a client into a whole new world when I touch her head. I do things to them behind the chair that is unforgettable. And I think people need to realize this. If people are risking their lives to come see us, what are we gonna do to be different? And I think we gotta step up our game and go to a whole new level. I'm writing stuff down here. Um, so, so many amazing points. And 
it all does go back to that foundation. It's like completely new, but it goes back to that foundation of average ticket frequency of visit and new clients. And that's something that I've been teaching ever since I learned it back, like probably from you. Um, and I've learned it from you through strategies. I've learned it through Tony Robbins. It's the three ways to grow your business and so many stylists. And I want to hear from you because, you know, I say it, I say it blunt straight up, like, to people who like question these things, what do you say to a client who has their book or a stylist who has their books closed? Well, what do you mean closed? Like if a stylist isn't taking new guests anymore, if they're not focusing on new guests, if they're like, what do you like, do you believe that we should close our books? Like, um, and I, like, I don't think so. Like, I always think that like your client base is always shedding, especially now people are moving, people are switching to different colors. People are switching to stylists, maybe in their family, people are doing house calls. There's so much going on. And if you're not constantly growing, I feel like you're constantly dying. So when some, when a stylist who says like, I'm not taking new guests and they like kind of look up to these influencers and people who say client books closed, people who maybe do hair one day a week, like me and who can barely even breathe if a new client walks in sometimes, but I'm doing 80 other things. I feel like stylists, uh, everyday stylists also compare themselves and try to utilize that as a goal. Now from Robert Cromines, what do you say when a stylist is like, yeah, I'm not taking new guests. I'm just going to focus on the ones that I have right now. Well, you know, I've been doing it a while. I love a new guest. It takes me to a new level. I'm better on a new guest than I have been on the ones I've serviced for 35 years. Uh, the number of datification I would give your audience, I'd say 80% should be your retained clientele. 20% should always be new. And I'll tell you why. It's the indicator that shows me you're in demand. And then if you're smart and you're elevating your price structure to new clients, as you see that new client in the chair, and this has happened to me, oftentimes they're paying more than the established client that's been loyal for 20 years. And because of that, because I'm just a performer, because I know she's paying more, I deliver more. And I think we got to understand that. But to me, you don't want to get stuck in Groundhog Day where you know every single thing about every single client because that's when the boredom sets in, the rigor mortis, if you will. Because <laughs> at that point, I know all about Gina's sex life. I know everything about what she's doing. And that's when it becomes mundane. So to me, if there's a one in five ratio of how many clients you lose, two in five should be new people. And that's where you become the next great Robert Cromings because you tend to really go further on a brand new client. And then what you've got to learn how to do is to take that experience through all your clients that have been loyal to you for years. So an 80-20 rule is what I would follow because there's nothing more gratifying for me when I see a referral, a word of mouth, a client coming into the salon that's heard about our experience, our safety protocols. I get very excited even at this stage of my career to see a brand new client. And, you know, I'm just saying it's a challenge. So in order to keep it interesting, uh, and not die of boredom. I think it's very important that you always have a blend, like a perfect diet of some new guests coming in. So if you're seeing five in a day, ideally one new guest would really say that your indicators are working because you will over time lose clients no matter how booked in demand. And especially right now, people that never had an opening suddenly are sitting with space. So first thing I'd say before you start to fill the space is what could you do a better job of on the time constraints? Moving slower, fewer words, more meaning, fewer clients, more meaning. This to me can define you. Um, we are giving all the people down here in California in the salon I'm in today, uh, we pay hourly and they're all going up anywhere from 15, in some cases, $30 an hour because of their compact performance, working less hours in the business, but having higher 
ticket sales because they're working with the few independent clients. Mary's a great example. Average ticket, $340, uh, 25% retail, never got a space, never got an opening. And she's one of the few in my company that has not had a dip since 219. She's performing at the same level, maybe doing fewer clients. She's also having lunch, Gina, for the first time in 25 years, which means my wife is delightful. She can't hear me right now, but if you don't feed her, she will bite your arm off. <laughs> and hairdressers' names don't pee, they don't eat. And this is the lifestyle we got to find is that balance of how many clients is ideal for you in a day to where you like people. And my fear of the old way when they were doing 17 and 18, I have these blow dryers from the roof. I used to say, you know, I only choke a client when I want it. Sometimes you just end up hating people. So I do believe in a part-time workforce because I think part-time, two to three days a week, you could be a working mother taking care of your family. And I know for all the recruiting I'm planning on, I'm not looking for full-timers. I'm looking really for a, a part-time plus. And from that, I think you can have the pace that makes you absolutely a servant. And for those of you that got more than 100 clients, Delete, delete, delete. Delete the ones who make you unhappy. Delete the ones that take away your power. Uh, burn the ones with the curling iron that you don't love at the sink and see if that puts the message out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you get to pick to make your ideal job happen, it should be a hundred of your favorite people to work on. So when you go to work and you see who's coming in today, you go, this is going to be a party. And I just believe as much as I'm an owner, you think that's crazy advice. I want my team to be the happiest and the way they can do that is really slowing down the pace, being a little more dangerous each and every client. And I think that's the pattern in which the industry will survive uh, because we've all been taking clients for granted. We've seen that in the 2009 recession. We were guilty of knowing we're going to lose a few. Why is that there? If you were dating, you wouldn't want to lose a few. So let's just pick up our game a little bit keep score to do more, but also understand that the reality of what we're telling you. I'm sure you've been at seminars where somebody asks you a tough question and you give them the appropriate answer, like, oh, well, you got to work on your frequency of visit, average ticket. And then they look at you like, have you got another answer? Like, <laughs> it's like going to the gym. I, you know, I've been on way, how do I lose weight? Go to the gym, eat less. Oh, do you have another answer? Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, pray to Jesus. I hope he loves you. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, performance-based and you can be a young kid just starting out and get these indicators working for your behalf and then you don't need any coaching because if you get these from the get-go you won't need a coach if you understand these indicators will protect you like million dollar baby protect yourself at all times this is the strategy that can do it and i really believe in that 100 and we're seeing it through our own company that some of them had you know people ask me did you increase the price because of the ppp I didn't increase the price. I honored the menu. Some people that were doing, had been doing hair 20 years and still charging people the 20 year price ago. So all we made sure is the client had clarity. We went to paper free. There's no cash. A lot of technology has helped us out on this. And I think it's just a beautiful thing that you can understand that the business is changing and it's not me changing it. It's the world is changing. So I'm able to make things happen in my company that I never was able to do before. Uh, we used to do this delicious French press coffee. It was like magical on a little tray with a cookie. I've had it. I came there and Mary did my hair. I've had it. So everybody loves it. And everybody, I would look at it as an operation. I would have four or 5% of my business washing dishes all day. Yeah. And I said to one, one day, I think I may have to get rid of the coffee. It's costing me too much money. They said, oh no, people love it. And I said, I know they love it. But after COVID, I was able to take it away. I used to have an assistant program. 
So we had a lot of touch points. We took that away. Nice stylists working for me 30 years are shampooing their own heads of hair and making discoveries how good the products are and making recommendations. Self-checkout. Why should somebody be in my salon three hours and then go wait in line to pay? This is ironic. So what about that curbside kind of checkout? They're in the chair anyway. Let's run it up while the color's processing. Let's get used to handling the dialogue right down to tips. You know, hairdressers are so uncomfortable with money, we got to get over it. And if we get over it, we'll understand every client wants to tip you. Typically, it's 20% gratuity. And we use Tippy as a system, which I love because it shows up financially. Uh, some of our tips go through payroll. So they actually, when they got unemployment, their payroll premium was higher because of these things. Because sometimes people think Tippy money is just in your pocket, out of sight, out of mind. It accumulates. If you're bringing in 100 grand a year, you probably see $20,000 in gratuity. And these are things you don't take lightly. And with a system like Tippy, People tend to tip more because they have an option. You want to tip 15, 20, 25%. I do it on DoorDash. I see the $4 tip and I see the six. I go, it'll deliver faster. I go for six. So right now the whole industry is enjoying what I call Christmas tips because <laughs> we're getting bigger premiums than ever before. So it is part of the mantle of it. And I, as I say, there's been huge shifts, things I wish uh, I could have changed in my system like software and different things, uh, a 24 hour cancellation list. That if you cancel without the 24-hour notice, we charge you half of it. On the day of, we charge you full amount. And then, Gina, you'll love this. If one of my stylists calls in sick on a Saturday with a hangover to his three or four clients that were on the book, I will offer them the same 50% discount. Wait, because, say that again? Okay, so I'm saying for now, 24 hours, Gina, you've got, if you cancel, if you don't cancel within 24 hours, there'll be a 50% charge. If you don't yes. show up on the day of, 100% charge and if my team member doesn't show up on the day of your appointment we will extend you a 50% discount wow pretty big right because I didn't want to do it 20 years ago because I didn't I, people call in sick all the time with no real reason and now I'm just telling unless it's COVID the reality is if you call in sick with a hangover you just don't feel like it today you're going to be servicing those three or four guests at a 50% discount so be it so it's a double-edged sword and we've had no resistance to it. And again, the objection here is not to get the money when they don't show, it's to encourage them to show. And that's really what the system's about, not just to get money for nothing when you did nothing. Uh, because if I'm really guarding my, my team's time right now, and I've got a working mother who's only got seven or eight hours in a shift on a day, I need to make sure they're productive. So a cancellation, a no-show, leaving a hairdresser idle is the worst psychological effect you can have on somebody. So I want to make sure that we're guaranteed that if my top members are in, they are busy because we're not waiting around the phone. Unusual for MD to be in the building without a clientele. So these are all things strategically that we have changed that I think will make a better business model. The overhead of my business is reduced by six or 7%. By taking away reservations and getting to chairside checkout, even on a small day, I can afford to be in operation because I'm not paying the overhead. So we've got to be efficient too, because I can't control the volume number, but I can control how much business costs me. And if it's just paying a hairdresser the average payroll, which can be anywhere from 40 to 50%, I can live with that on any day score. But you throw in on a thousand dollar day as a salon, a reservation is at minimum wage, and you'll see that they're taking 15 to 12 to 15 percent of your business on that day that's mm -hmm. too high once you bring rent and other overheads in so we have to learn how to streamline take away the middleman and this self-checkout to me is a huge one and you know is it easy you know, somebody said well everybody used to take care of me 
Uh, I know they did, and with the right volume, it's possible. But unfortunately, once you take volume away, these overheads become critical. I can't make rent disappear, um, but I can make the the interaction of the business and having somebody there just to be a middleman to check your client in. In my opinion, if you work for me, Gina, where should you be at 10 o'clock if you have a 10 o'clock client? Up front, taking her temperature, helping her get in her sanitized gown, et cetera, et cetera. The fewer touch points, the better off you'll be. And I used to have a touch point on an average client between three assistants, a reservationist, and whoever else would help me. They may have 10 people touching them at one point, not anymore. And I'm just saying, this is a huge change for us. Everything we built in the last 30 years has been from a rising star, from a, a you know new talent point of view. And we no longer do that because I no longer have an assistant program. So now I'm actually looking for stylists with you know a book. Uh, I'm also appealing to the freelance industry because some of them have lost clients. You know, if you look at it logically, if you've got a part-time clientele, what you may need is a part-time job, not a full-time rent. And if you're smart in the operation you've got, you may want to look at day rates and you may already be doing this because to me, a week-long rental is is a commitment beyond what you may be bringing in. If you've got two days of business, I would look at what could you do to do it. If I was going to do a freelance operation, I'd be doing it daily, half daily. Uh, because to me, that's to me, the business most people have is two or three days. But what you don't need is rent on that. So we're really going out for the the musical chair hairdresser that's been everywhere to really give them a home and understand that you could do better. Because if an average solar suite is $400 a week and you're bringing in a thousand, that's 40% rent. That's You'd crazy. Be the suites are so expensive. They're incredibly expensive. I like when I was starting out, my average rent, like my rent in my first place was 1800 square feet. It was 1500, $1,600 a month. And they're paying $1,600 a month for a tiny room with no window. Like I can't even like I, I, it's so incredibly expensive. So I have questions like listening to everything you just said. I'm like, holy shit. This is like one of the discs from your seriously. And I'm just like, I need to go back and listen to it 15 times. Um, I have questions. So going back to what you said, if you have a ton of clients and you have to get rid of some of them, delete, delete, delete. So the number one question I get is how do I fire this client? And I have my own way of sharing it with people, but I want to hear yours. Like what, if you have a guest that's just driving you crazy what does Robert say to her or what do you how do you coach your stylist or like what do you say if you do have to break up with a guest and I know this is like a random question but like I, this is something when you said that I know people are going to say in their head well how do I do that like there that's like a, such a question that stylists have so I have my way of sharing it and I share it all the time but I want to hear what you say um just to give them another way of course well the first thing you would look at if I use a top stylist that is now charging the price that they ought to and the client says they can't afford it so it's a referral to a a junior person with the right average ticket so for me I've got five elements five little chapters and I would have to say quite confidently uh, we have somebody in every price point so if you can't afford Mary or me uh, we are going to make a recommendation to a junior stylist and they're going to have a ticket price that you can probably afford but I would just say this that you know there's strategies that you can block a client meaning if you've got a no-show or somebody who drives you crazy she's not the person i'm going to rebook all the time i'm going to gridlock her out of my books over time so for me we do a very special thing called save the day on every station we're very methodical on how we you know rebook appointments as they come into the salon and i'm just saying that's a way of kind of consciously looking at it but i would just say that if you 
if you use this as a barometer, every time you're working on a client, talk about how valuable your time is mm. and how things are changing. So when you do make these jumps and changes, they'll understand that things have changed. Uh, moving forward, Gina, I'm only going to see 100 clients. And just to let you know that I love doing your hair, but da 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 but here's a recommendation of some others. You know, the, the firing the client is always a nice one. We'd love to do it if we're drunk. We'd like to tell people to just get out of our business. But uh, I would just say that to me, it should be handled professionally. There's got to be some fit from it and i'm just saying it's part of the grow up process uh if you're listening to b and gina we've encouraged you to increase prices there'll come a point that your income will be limited by your client's lack of income is it show friends or is it show business we've got to make a decision you like that one that's a that's my favorite one i say it all i say it every single day there's things that you say that i say every single day sorry i just had like a fucking moment i was like yes <laughs> okay it's okay but that's that's to me what's so beautiful about the industry is you can get people and you know people wouldn't put you and i together naturally and i get so proud when i hear you on the internet and see what you're doing and see what you're doing social um you know it really makes cry. well you know it may you know you've dropped the name but for me my name rings harder when you say it than other people because you have done so well with it and that's to me what you call honoring your mentors when you honor your mentors they get very proud inside and I think you've done a magical job and you've also been able to very much bring up difficult conversations that people weren't having, didn't want to have. And long before I really knew who you were, I just knew you as the hair doctor. I didn't know we had a connection. You know, like I knew you were doing um, all this. Wait, cause I've come up to you like, okay. So on your, on this, cause I have it on my fucking desk um, <laughs> and you sign this for me. Like okay. I met you at IBS New York and I was just like, I really want your CD set. And I gave you all my money and you signed it and it's all kind of faded off. But literally you were, I, I listened to this. And when you talk about how you wanted to meet Paul Mitchell and you said you would walk up and just be like, hi, I'm Robert Cromines. Hi, I'm Robert Cromines. Hi, I'm Robert Cromines. I've met you. Cause I, I was with Paul Mitchell for many years and I went to signature gathering. Uh, every time I went to beacon, I went, I won like all this shit in school. And then you came to my school, you and Mary, and I assisted Mary doing color. You looked at my haircut. I wanted to be a model. You looked at my haircut and you were just like, you have a great haircut. You don't need a cut. And he's like, do you, and you said, do you want to help tomorrow? And I was just like, it'd be my fucking pleasure. And literally that day with Mary changed my life. Like I followed you guys like religiously from then on. And I had come up to you every time I saw you. And I said, hi, Robert Cromings, I'm Gina Bianca. It's nice to meet you. And you never remembered me until one day you were just like, I know who you are. Are you going to say the F-bomb on stage? And I about passed out. <laughs> it was like a moment for me. I was just like, holy shit, because I have honored you. I, I've learned so much from you. And it's been like, I wanted to, I didn't know I was going to be a hairdresser. I went to hairdressing school for something to fall back on. And when I found seriously, and when I found belief system, and then when I met you guys, I found my, I was like, I'm going to open a salon. And from that day, every move I made was to open a salon. And then I finally did. And then from that, then on, it was just like, okay, well, like you've been preaching like this, this disc set you talk about everything and it's like what i do it's like elevate the beauty industry like you don't have to just start here like you can go all the way to here and um it inspired my whole career like my whole journey is inspired by hearing your story and i always tell people tell your story because you never know who's listening um so yeah like it's true and um when you say like you've honored your mentors like that like hits my heart like because i have and it's nice to be seen for that so thank you um 
And I love what you said, just going back to our conversation after I honey roast you. <laughs> um, but talking about like, while you're behind the chair, talking with your guests, talk about how valuable your time is. What's that gonna improve everybody? Frequency of visit, that's one of your ways to grow. And everyone's like asking, how do I pre-book? How do I, like, you know, I have a hard time with pre-book. Talk about how valuable your time is. Like you are worth it. Yeah, scarcity, uh, nothing, especially because we've had closed downs. Uh, scarcity is one of the greatest driving motivators. Uh, look at the toilet paper run. <laughs> scarcity, 100%, yeah. Right? So we've got to put ourselves in demand and we got to use the scarcity card. Gina, you know, we just opened up again. We're so excited. I really want to get you on the books for the next six weeks. And, you know, the reality is, so you won't be disappointed, you'll have the priority. And I think that we've got to get better as always, Gina, with our words. Uh, hairdressers are very artistic, but we tend not to have the right communication power. So just like, you know, scripting, there's nothing wrong with scripting to give you a, a, a sort of way of talking about referrals, a sort of way to talk about, you know, rebooking, um, a sort of way to sell the menu into treatment. You know, ask a question to a client to describe, um, I'll do it to you. Gina, describe the condition of your hair. You're gonna tell me what it is. And I'll hear things like my hair is knackered, it's dry, it's tired, um, you know, ends are split. I have a cure for that. So just on the great questions of a, what I call a, a, a question hair, if I ask the right questions, I'm gonna get different responses from people that lead towards treatment, take home, etc. And I think that's the sort of mindset I'd like people to get into is get used to practicing your words, not just your hand skills, because it's sometimes the words that tear you up. And when you look at difficult situations, I remember in my Vegas store writing up a ticket for three or $400 years ago. And I didn't have the courage to look the lady in the eye. I dumped it at a desk and left her to deal with the aftermath. Uh, these days you've got to confront it. You've got to be transparent. There's nothing worse than a client thinking they're coming in for a hundred dollar experience and they've got a $300 bill. Yeah, that this is what I talk about all the time. And you like, we yeah. market, sorry, we market services as like starting at, and that's okay. But when your guest comes in, before you start, you have to confirm what you're doing and confirm the price. There should never be sticker shock. And it's not the guest care's responsibility to run your business, it's yours. Well, and I think too, you know, the understanding that when you look at the old ways we book thing, a haircut sounds so generic and a haircut on a hundred people is so different. If I'm doing a man's haircut, it's gonna take me longer. I'm doing your beautiful, sexy layers. It won't take me that long. So I think it's really understanding there is no, you know, one size fits all on a haircut, on a color. Almost everything we do right now is corrective. Uh, uh, you know, there is a start point. And again, if Gina's sitting here today as a brunette and she wants to go blonde, that's a path of enlightenment. That's going to take 18 bowls of a lightener. That's going to take some stuff. We've got to start thinking about this and start thinking of hours. Uh, I'm sure you work with this, but corrective color, we charge hourly. So if somebody's coming in or if it's a, a transformation like dark to light, we're gonna charge hourly so that we're not sorry to say, well, I use 14 bowls of color. It's all included. Yeah, absolutely. You can see too, Mary has a formula. It could be tested, but take your haircut price and add 20, 30% to it. That should give you a rough calculation and then cross check it with your a la carte pricing to make sure you're in the right ballpark. So, you know, Mary's got a 150 um, an hour charge for corrective color. The last lady she did took six hours. She cross-checked it with what she used and everything else. It came out as a balance. 
But again, a client's going to love that instead of seeing all these little line items at the end of these little things you did where you've often become a discounter because you think, well, she can't afford the toner. She doesn't probably, you know, she doesn't really know the shadow root costs more. All of these things cost. If you go to a restaurant, you have a shrimp cocktail, a martini, chocolate cake. They don't just give it to you because you're a loyal client. They add it to the ticket price. We need to get over money. And the quicker we do as artists, the better off we'll be. And yeah, can you get into these strategies and lose a few? Yeah. And you'll be better off dealing with clients of a new relationship going through these principles with you. And, and most people have the money. People are so quick to judge. You know, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, I travel the world everywhere I go. They think I'm a drug dealer or a terrorist. <laughs> you wouldn't dress like me to go through an airport if you were doing either one of those things. Be careful. And, you know, I heard Mayor Richter this week saying no more negative comments on the internet. I hope she doesn't get barred from her own website. But the, the reality here is that there's too many harsh words said out there. There is too much shit talk on the internet from a very safe hiding place. Um, you know, if you have nothing to say beautiful, don't make a comment, just move on. Uh, but, you know, I think the negativity and the reality that we've got to go through every single day, but not every single client is right for you. You've got to really understand, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about their brand. What is your true brand? Because not every single client is right for you. So if somebody is a Scotsman, a penny pincher, and they care about, you know, getting the $17 experience and that's it, including tip. They're not right for me. And yeah, I work with chain salons, sport clips, super cuts. I work with law. I also work with Sola, uh, Salon Republic. So I tend to come from a very point of view that whether you're a freelance hairdresser or you're part of a team, the things that Gina and I are sharing with you right now apply to you. Uh, when I did totally. Sola, so I never heard a group listen to me harder, meaning they are their own business person. So they knew what I was telling them was the truth. And sometimes team players will resist me more than independence because I speak the truth of how you succeed in this business, no matter where you live. And I think this is an important part. And, you know, the, the getting a full book is always a destination, but I'm just saying you want to, you want to create your ideal book more than it being filled, that should be ideal. And if it's ideal and then you're having the time of your life, then when you step out and say, I love the industry, I don't have to tell you to tell your face because so many people say they love it. And I go, well, according to your face, you know, in, in Europe right now, Germany, Australia, uh, they're having trouble recruiting hairdressers. Most people are not choosing it as an occupation. I have a young lady who works for me, her name's Macy. She's been coming to my salon since she was six years old. She knew she was going to work for me one day and right now she's kicking ass. But in Germany and Australia and other countries with apprenticeships, People aren't choosing it. And in my opinion, people don't make it look like the job of the century. You walk in, they're saying they love it, but their face says they don't. Their body language says they don't like people. And people are supposed to gravitate to that. When we first opened the Palm Mitchell School in San Diego, 80% of the first students were actually guests of my salon that would see their stylist living the life, having a good time. Uh, these would be uh, sometimes women that had lived in their car making six figures. And they go, I'm going to work for this, I'm going to the beauty industry. Uh, it is a beautiful industry and you can apply yourself, but uh, it comes with work and guidance and studying and putting your, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, working on the work ethic that will take you there. And we are servants, whether you understand this or not, we're servants of the heart. And as much as I do crazy shit on stage with fans, balloons, forks, the game I play is in the salon is a very subservient role that I play. 
Uh, it's saying the client's name as much as I can throughout the experience, which is music to their ears. Uh, watching them throughout the whole process, it looks like they're having the most time they've ever had. And sometimes we get so hung up on the technical and I don't think you have to entertain them, but I would say this the old way, we put a color on and we left it. And even when you didn't have a client, you were in the galley texting, checking your Instagram. To me, if you put a color on it, process is 55 minutes, go entertain that client, go be part of their life, go talk to them. Some of them haven't been at the house in three months. So I think that we gotta understand why people come to us and the experience to me is always the guiding light. If you were buying a haircut, it could be 10 bucks, but a haircut experience could be 20. What is it you imagine is that next experience? And that's really what we're working on is how to elevate the experience. And if you do that, if ever you hear from a client, you cost too much, no, your experience sucks is what you need to take from that. Not that you should discount, that you should up the experience game, whether it's in the wash house, sex in the sinky, lather lounge, sanctuary, guaranteed a religious experience, elevate the game and nobody will ever give you grief over how much you charge. But if ever you hear that, well, that's too much, the too much is a reflection. It's a, it's a Yelp review on your service sucks to the degree of $100. So what can you do if you're gonna be a $100 experience? What can you do to deliver $200 worth of experience? And sometimes that's conversation, kind words. Uh, one little lady, I do her name's Trudy. She's a 75 year old kindergarten teacher, retired. We took her over to the ring light. I said, Trudy, today we're gonna take your picture. She said to me, Gina, nobody ever takes my picture. Oh my it's God. Touch, it's touching hearts and souls. And I think that what people forget sometimes as they get into this, especially if they get a crazy pace going, then suddenly you're not really connecting with people. If it's about relationships, let's start again. And I'll tell you right now to your listeners, the next time you see a client you haven't seen in a while, as soon as she sits down and says, you know what? We're starting over. Let's start off with a thorough consultation. Every time you come in, we're going to do a consultation. The other day I had a client I've been doing her name's Jennifer Harmon, 25 years. I, before she came into the salon, I'd already been on my Instagram page, my 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 stuff I save, and pulled seven or eight pictures for her when she came in and go, just thinking of this, Jen, showing you this, what a bit longer, getting into the mullet. And she was like blown away after 25 years, I'm still taking it to the next level. You can't rest on it, and you can't rest on just thinking, oh, they love me for life, because you will be just, just disappointed when they find another um, service is something that's about consistency uh, it's kind of like platform work being good once or twice won't get you the job I am a very consistent platform artist I deliver energy I can make things happen even in the toughest crowds I can make things happen that's the consistency has helped me and as a service provider we've got to look at the consistency of the consultation the sex and the sinky that shampoo that takes you to a whole new level because the shampoo bowl is probably the most underestimated tool in the salon it's the sharpest tool in your shed it builds frequency of visit it builds upgraded tickets it leans towards take home or retail sales so to the degree you want to go crazy on that um, you know, I think that's a big part of the business. If you really look at what a customer enjoys, what a guest enjoys, um, I think these are all ways that we should look at our own businesses and what can we do to elevate it to the next experience level. And I think that's very important, especially if you're thinking of charging more, um, you know, and you've got to justify it. It's kind of like one of those things that people forget about. Everybody thinks by charging more, they're going to make more money. If clients don't believe in your service, you'll actually be making more money per guest and seeing less guests. And I'm just telling you over time, that won't really work out. And the thing about consistency of service, if I look at the data points after four to five visits, the, the drop-off level is 70 or 80% in our industry. 
So as we first date, you know, I open the car door for you. I take you out to a fancy meal. We're doing all the lovey-dovey. And by the third date, you got your own car door and probably I'll meet you there. You know, the reality is it's not a date anymore. We're already taking each other for granted. We can never afford to take a single client, whether they've been loyal for 20 years or two years or two weeks. We got to make a bigger deal about each one. And I think this is really what's going to define the hairdressers that make it through this crisis. It's the ones that understand this, that really celebrate each and every guest. And if you do that, you'll be a happier hairdresser. You'll make more money. You'll get more referrals. You get more things happening. Uh, you're going to feel like Jesus loves you more. And it's just because you're doing the right things. And it's a choice. And the resistance is overwhelming. I know this, Robert. I know I should do this more. I know I should, but wow. Uh, the resistance is really what drives me crazy when it's that obvious that people ask us the question, what do I need to do to be successful? It's this, this, this. What other answer you got? There is no other answer. This 100%. is the ABCs of our business. So changing radically. I talked about digital consultations. I'm very passionate about that. I just posted that on my page. Um, talking about the client's convenience at home, being safe, having a top stylist that you can talk to. And here's one that's going to surprise you. I just signed a deal with a company called Short Clips. No. Shortcuts. Shortcuts. Shortcut, not cuts. Not the software. Shortcut. I am now delivering the Robert Croming Salon to the household. Uh, we are got an app that gives us exclusive rights in San Diego, which means it's beyond my brick and mortar, using my brand name. And if people want to deliver this experience, they've got to work for me. It's part of my umbrella as a location. And I can see this being a huge thing that takes the pressure off my brick and mortar, that helps me build a young stylist by making house calls. And you could end up at a house that's got five family members. Uh, it's kind of like Uber. People are pre-screened. It's insured. It's safe. Um, it includes digital consultations. I see this as being a big game changer. And before the epidemic, I would never have considered such an idea. But right now, the confidence of the people is down and the safest they feel is in their own living rooms. So I am going to now deliver the Robert Croming Salon experience at their home for a higher premium, a higher pay packet for the stylist that does it, and a freedom that perhaps you don't actually have to come into the brick and mortar and be making donuts all day. You could be driving around all day, going to different parts of the uh, the neighborhood, making new relationships with clients and being very self-satisfied that you're not so stuck under the umbrella of rules and brick and mortar uh, to have a bit of freedom, which a lot of hairdressers want. The years of having so many rules that makes the fun go away are over. Um, you know, if it's not a fun place to work, I don't care what I'm paying you. If it's not fun and you're not being engaged every day, you know, then there's something to it. So. Uh, I am very optimistic as we we're just now onboarding with this particular company. But once we get it up and running, we're going to have five stylists doing deliveries to hotels, to different places in the home. 90% of the business will come from clients that don't come to my salon. We're not going to advertise it in my company. We're going to work through the, the app and the um, um, algorithm of the Internet. And it comes from Google and it's all this stuff. The second most Google thing in the world is hair and beauty. So it's people asking every day. And the reality is because we're a brand name that we've had 30 years of experience here, I think we'll be trusted like choosy moms choose Jif. And again, but I have done this before the pandemic. Nope. But right now, I think it's a beautiful way to build new team members. And what a way to cast a net beyond my location, which is downtown San Diego, to every pocket of San Diego. So we're very excited. And, you know, in a few months, we'll have some more data to talk about. But I visualize this like a, a modeling agency 
I may have 30 or 40 people that work for me in San Diego that never step foot into my location. That's amazing. It's a kind of interesting one. So uh, I will give you a little referral. So they're called Shortcut. And um, it's not the software Shortcuts. It's a different company. And um, I'm so excited. And some of my buddies that are using it, people like Band Council from Atlanta, um, you know, Scott Jay, he's New York, New Jersey. There's different people doing it. And so far, the results they're seeing are unbelievable because the confidence of the client is down in certain situations. I could see me making house calls now, Gina. And as things get back to some type of normalcy, they may see the advantage of coming into the salon. So I see it as a great way to build, but convenience, you know, I have friends in the, you know, Hollywood business, Deanna Schmicky, she does house calls to Harrison Ford, goes knocks on his door. You know, there are people that do this and there's people that do it with nails, other beauty things. I'm just saying this is an exclusive to us and it gets me kind of excited to really develop people because building them, you know, I used to have a salon called walk-in. We don't have walk-ins anymore. So we got to find new strategies to build to our community and brick and mortar is is one of the things that are suffering right now. So, you know, if you look at your space, the old rent was 1700 a month, you said, 1600 a month. Mm -hmm. What's the new space cost? 5300 But we have a huge, we have 5,000 square feet. It's like oh, yeah. giant. <laughs> but, you know, we, my whole business model had in-person education factored into it. So not doing the in-person and, you know, we have space for 200. So I don't know when that's going to happen again. So now we're, we're doing virtual and we're getting back to smaller, more intimate classes, but it's the same thing as you said, elevate the experience. And, you know, I have a class coming up and you inspired me because, you know, we assume if we have a good reputation for clean, that people just know that we're clean, but like, and I even coach to this, like when you're marketing, you always speak to the objections and like how to solve that for them. And I think that, you know, moving forward and you know, talking about our education, it, like how clean and safe we are, how safe we are is just as important as how good we are. Well, I, I think it's it's so critical. If I can get a Yelp review where the client just doesn't brag about her hair, but brags about how safe she felt, um, that's the strategy is going to move you forward. I got one of the internet kids. I won't remember. I won't say his name because it'll hurt him. Um, but he's doing the half mask thing. He's jackassing around, thinks it's funny as shit. And I love to jackass around, and I think I'm funnier than shit, but this is not a joking matter. Uh, I work with a company in Houston, Texas. One of their staff members at 30 years old died of this. So this is not a joke. This is not something, you know, people that don't wear masks in our industry, I call them mask holes. That's what you are. You're just ignoring the evidence here and you're ignoring the feelings of other people. And I think it's something that we got to be reckoned with. And, you know, I just feel that because of what we're in, you know, there could be a hundred other jobs we do, Gina, that wouldn't matter. You know, there could be so many things we could be doing through the internet, through Zoom, just like we're doing today, that wouldn't have the same thing. You know, my friend asked me yesterday, am I going to get vaccinated? The answer is absolutely yes, because I'm going to fly on a plane. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be taking photos with people. You bet your ass I am. And I do believe this will be a question we're going to have to look at. And, you know, you know, whether you believe it or not. And already my wife and I disagree on this matter. <laughs> She's like, I'm not I was it. just going to ask you, like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm going to get the vaccine because education is like my main source of happiness and revenue and everything in between. Like, I just want to be, I want to be like, I want to be a platform educator like you. Like when I got signed with Joyco, I thought I was going to be, I literally was just like, I thought I was going to be Robert Cromines and here I am fucking uploading videos. Like I literally like, I'm just sitting there uploading, uploading, uploading. I'm just like, oh my God, like I 
should be on stage with people cheering and the lights and sharing to a big audience. And like, it changes, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I have another question. Go for it. Um, hold on. I have, I had so many of them too, because you were bringing up so many good points, like, and it's true. Like, and, and, you know, starting out, we believe one thing and we focus on one thing. Cause what you focus on, you move towards. So like your business before you adapt and you change, like there's people who just believe that the world is not changing that it's just, you know, this is not the new normal. And I, I like really like in the beginning, I was like, this is not the new normal. Like we're good. It's going to be fine. Like, this is crazy. Like I thought it was all political, but like moving forward, moving forward, like it's true. Like the industry has changed. The world is changed. Like it's happening. And I think that it's okay to change your mind. And I think that it's okay to be open to new ideas. And I think so many people are so stubborn and like the internet is so cancel and all of these things that some people stick to their views for so long. And even if it like makes sense for them and they, and it hurts their business, they'll do it anyway because of pride. So I think it's really important. Like anybody listening, like if you, if you're a mask hole and in your salon, you don't take this seriously, like it's okay to change your mind it's not going to kill you to adapt and evolve and change and, and, and protect your staff. Like there's people and it's all political, a lot of it. And we don't talk about that here. Really. It's really just like, you know, we're, we have to protect our culture, protect our team, protect our clients. Um, my question is, it goes back to, but I want to make sure I, I get this in. You had mm -hmm. such an impact on me when I was starting out in the industry, you had such a huge impact on me you don't have an assistant program anymore. And one of the biggest things I get asked all the time is like, I'm starting out. I can't find a job. Like, what do I do? And for a new artist, maybe they didn't have, like I went to Palm Mitchell, the school in North Haven and we went there, like our fundraising was lit. We had classes starting every single like month. We had a lot of money, a lot of educators coming through. Like they sent 55 of us to caper. Like, and now they're sending like eight people, you know what I mean? Like in some schools, like it's just not the same. Like I went when there was a boom of hair artists going and I, I, I believe I have the best education money can buy. Like, I'm so grateful for my foundation. That's why I want to change it or share it so much. Yeah. And, um, what do you say to a new stylist? And I just got a message the other day from this girl saying, is it a good time to enter the beauty industry? I've always wanted to, but I'm guessing not. And. I like sent her this whole thing, but like, what do you say to somebody who's new in the industry? They can't find a job. Like what advice would you give someone just starting out? Well, and I think this is, you know, a testament to your school. Uh, um, not only did you go to a Palmetto school, you went to one of the best ones in the network. You know that. I do. Uh, you know, incredible business people. And you could see, um, you know, I remember going to the school. I only went once or twice. So I was out there, but you know, people should never take their education for granted. Now, there are people leaving the industry every day, no judgment, that have decided that this isn't a safe place, I'm not gonna continue. But for every single person understanding that the old way was assist for a while, I would just say that you've got to come out of school more prepared than before. You should already have a digital exchange. You should already be comfortable talking to strangers because if you come to me today to ask me for a job and you say, well, I just moved here, Robert. I have no clients, I have none of this, none of that. In the old days, my location could help you. In my new world, I cannot. So your self-containment and your self-promotion, I will say, Gina, I haven't trained so many people. Sometimes when I put them on the floor, then I found out they didn't have the skill set. They were skilled enough to shampoo, color hair, cut hair, but they didn't have the people part and they weren't able to build. 
And I would just say that to me right now, all you got to focus on is building one day, building number two, and maybe you need to get a part-time job that helps you. Think about where you could work. A bartender would have a better chance in networking. You know, a lot of millennials have two to three jobs. So finding what helps you feed one another. That's what I did. I bartended and worked in restaurants until I built up. It's a great call here. And I'm just saying that, yeah, the rules have been changed. But the other way was we give you clients and hope you perform it. And after the time, you give all the new clients to the weakest link. The new way is we focus on developing your first six hours uh, the word of mouth, if you do everything right, rebook it, we'll get you to the next six hours. So no longer am I offering you a 40 hour work week. If you want to get in my company, here's what I got, June. I got no jobs today, but it's, I love you. I'm going to give you six hours. Let's start there. What can we do in six hours? First question I ask in an interview, how many clients are you going to bring in? Everybody wants to talk about how much am I getting paid? You know what? You're way ahead of yourself, buddy. Uh, let's talk about how many clients. You know how many times I ask a future pro that how many clients you're going to bring in? They're like, Huh? <laughs> like I gotta bring in clients. I thought that was your job. It really is one of these things that we gotta put the responsibility. I feel like this is an owner. I'll do half the work if you do the other half. And I think people need to own up to that responsibility. And the way to build that habit is while you're in school. So is it a good time to get into the beauty industry? I'd say yes, because the whole industry is in the same boat right now. We're all in a building process. So I've seen hairdressers with 14 years of committed clients that are sitting with two on the books today. I am telling you right now, we're all at a brand new level. So whether you're a future professional, when normally I would judge you as a future professional because you didn't have pace. Right now I'm telling you, this is the first time in the industry I don't need pace, I need performance. Because it used to be you were a little slow. You do a hand painting job, it took I could paint a house in quicker time. Uh, Now I'm not so worried about how fast you do it, which was my old concern before COVID. Now I'm saying, can you really do the job and take your time and love on a client, much like you would do on a clinic classroom in a Paul Mitchell school. That's the type of energy it's gonna take, but you've gotta be resourceful. Uh, I was doing ads in Indeed and Craigslist. Now I go straight to the internet because I feel like this, if I'm gonna offer you a job and you didn't see it on the internet and you're not playing with the internet, I don't want you. This is the way to do it through digital consultation. Somebody asked me yesterday for a card. Can I get some cards made up? Like, what, do you want a yellow pages to go with it? <laughs> cards that are prehistoric. Um, you know, I don't even want to touch the card. It's so contaminated. Um, I'm just telling you the new way is get their, you know, get their tags saying, you know, let's talk, let's get on here, let's get an exchange. Um, and I think this is a big world here. And if people resist technology, they're never going to catch on to it. And I'm older than most hairdressers that listen to you. And I am down with TikTok reels and stuff like that. You know, I, and, you know, back to the performance that we both do. Nobody likes an audience more than you and I. Nobody. I love it. You know what I love too? A resistance audience, like 4,000 people that think I look like an idiot and then watch what I do to you between what I actually do and what I plant in your head. And, you know, but I also had a haircut went with 2 million views on IGTV. And so when I look at the digitally dangerous part as artists like you, I believe in Zoom. In fact, I'm working on a show concept like a gathering to one particular line of our company. And I'm going to make a 45 minute show of it that will take people to a whole new level. Um, There is something of value of digital training, but you've got to be good at it. Because if you don't know how to work to camera, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm just saying, this is not something just because you watch the internet that you know how to do. Because even when I work with Instagrammers on a stage, they don't understand sight lines. They don't understand where the camera is. When I go to the BTC show, which is probably the last time I've seen you, 
first thing I do is I go stand in the back of the room and see what this room is about. Every young Instagrammer goes, pops on stage. They can't believe they're up there. Like, oh my God, I'm up on stage. I'm like, you're not paying attention to the right thing. Uh, and then the fewer words, more meaning for every artist is meaning like you go off there, you're talking. It's not called a talk, it's called a show. Get to it, hands and hair. Uh, don't tell me what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. Too many people work on, well, I'm not going to do this because I don't want that. Then why bring it up? You know, I, I watched this big bus that sits on a freeway. It says, Jesus is not a swear word. I go, well, why did you write it like that? You know, it just as soon as you put it, he's not. I go, you know, Jesus Christ, I can't help it. You told me what you don't want. And I'm just saying what the mind needs is what do I want? And I can't tell you even in a recap, do you know what I did was? Because it's not relevant to what my hands are doing. Paul Mitchell taught me this, working and talking. So as you're cutting sections, doing color, painting hair, you should have a have ability to, like road work to have a conversation because you don't realize how important the visual is to the group of hairdressers out there. I don't want to be talked to death at a show. It's why they call it a show. And I think there's some people that could live to this. Um, every day I'm watching other people that I train and helping them be more better to the camera to show you what's most dangerous. And in a great movie like you do for Instagram, you can edit out the shit. On a show, you've got to learn how to edit out the shit. So whether that's your technique as a pre-done haircut, that's not my style. I like to take the risk. People love to see me take risk. And when it works, they love me. And when it doesn't, they love me too, because I went for it. I hate to see people on stage trimming over the same shit that took them three hours to do. If you can do it when it counts, it's like Braveheart. You've got to get in the moment of it. I take risks where somebody would have a 45 minute segment, do one haircut. I'm going to do six and you're going to like one of them. But I like the intriguedness, the misdirection and the way that you can build an audience. And I definitely miss it. So now I'm trying to use all that experience through computers, through Zoom, through figuring out how I can make great television that somebody would watch for 45 minutes and be blown away by. And I know I did it in show business, but I think I can do it to the next technology. And as I say, I'm a student of it. I'm watching every day. Kids like Ben Brown, this little Italian boy I love, Gianni, Tamaki, or something like that. Cool, them kids too, yeah. Kind of, um, and it's just the world. You know, one of my team members said, oh, I need a class on curtain bangs. I said, you need to open up your phone, you dumbass. You're telling me right now you can't find content on curtain bangs in this industry? Um, what, what else are you missing? Hand painting? Uh, it's everywhere. Get off of your, you know, you're candy crushed and get organized here. How bad do you want it is a question people need to ask. Everybody wants to be a rock star platform artist, but how bad do you want it? Because not everybody should be on stage. Not everybody. Some people could be a teacher as a learning leader with 16 people and do awesome. But as you go into my world, 200 people and above, it's a show. Whether you like it or not, I am going to accelerate that show. It's going to be less technical. It's going to move faster, just like a movie would. So I'm just saying there's definitely boundaries we want to get. And again, if we look at our touch point, Gina, for educators like us, we could go to show and BTC's awesome, 4,000 people gathering, 4,000 people. But I sometimes go to Nebraska for 400. Uh, and now I'm able to create Zoom experiences where I can make it feel like a two hours, make it feel like 10 minutes. Um, using premeditated stuff, live is very risky. So instead of me showing you my hand painting, hoping it processes, hope it all works out, I pre-film it, edit it down and give it to you in a bite size that your mind can recognize. There's a whole new technology coming out here 
and as I say, I'm a student of it. So as much as I am, you know, known in so many avenues, I am every day scrolling through, looking at shit that I think is great. Fern the Barber is one of my favorites. If I see a clever edit, I send it to Fernie, and before you know it, he's wrapped a perm, taking away all the end papers, all the combing, and creating science because he's edited out everything we didn't need. So if you're going to step on a platform, think about what you can edit away to make the result happen. I work with a young man, Nugi Tai, he does updos. And if I was to wait on him prepping all the hair, I'd be up there all day. But he kind of gets it to a place like a cooking show and all he's doing is unraveling the last few bits and the crowd go crazy. Where's your ta-da? Where's the button of excitement? And, and I think this is, to me, I'm just as passionate about it as I've ever been. And, you know, some of my job is to lead through examples. So instead of telling all my team that Paul Mitchell, this is what you need to be doing, the thing that I still do this job, I still rock crowds 12,000 people deep and I still get interaction on the internet and I'm striving for it every day. So I think for a lot of people that are missing that that carnival life that we live, um, this is also a time to put out and become digitally dangerous right now so that when we do go back to normal, we can have crowds and don't think that the new show will not change to a kind of, let's call it Bill Maher. There's 30 people in the audience, but it's being broadcast to 12 million. And the new show, when I visualize gathering in the future, it's gonna be a smaller group of people, probably a more expensive ticket that's very exclusive, but it will be broadcast to the viewers at home. And I think this is a real reality of what's going on. You've seen it with some of the MTV awards, some of the things that are going on. Um, you know, I just think this is a new frontier for a lot of people. And again, I've traveled for 7 million miles. I haven't been on a plane all of 2020. I'm not, uh, Hawaii was my last trip at the beginning of 2020. I don't visualize going on a plane real quick. So the only chance I have right now is to be active on the internet. And I think it's a beautiful time and get into things like reels. You know, these, you know, Fernie did that little perm thing. He got 800,000 views on reels. 800,000, who's gonna do a show in front of 800,000? Nobody, let's look at the Super Bowl, the smallest record attendance ever, but look at the capacity to 2 billion people. Uh, this is just the reality of what we live in and I wanna kind of blend that as we go back and not every hair show because we had it is necessary. Meaning if it's only for 400 people, 30 people, what could you do with Zoom that could hit 3000? That's just the reality of it and it lasts forever. So we're we're really like Ted Turner, we're making a TV channel. And um, you know, I think these things are critical. So if this, this clears up, I may step on stage again, who knows? But right now I'm kind of like, I look at videos of me on stage and I go, that was my old life. Uh, I don't even recognize myself because that's not what we're going through right now. But will it open up again? Yes. But in the meantime, I'm going to take care of business through the internet. And um, I just, you know, I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the wow factors. I'm fascinated by people who do it really well. And if you pay attention to it like we do, you see the dominant factors that are truly educational. And, you know, you see the jackass gimmicky stuff. That's awesome. I don't mind it because I'm guilty of doing jackass gimmicky stuff on occasion. But uh, at the same day, pure education is what works. And I think what you've got to remember is the visual artist needs visuals uh, and they need you to take them on that journey. So, uh, you know, I look forward to it. My liver's healed up tremendously. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you just gave everyone a solid point. If you're resisting reels, if you're resisting TikTok, I was resisting TikTok. It's okay to change your mind, everybody. It's okay to change your mind. Like you don't have to like 
stop all of your growth because you have one idea. I was resisting TikTok so bad. I was just like, I don't know. This is weird. There's some weird stuff happening on this app. I'm nervous. And I was like believing the hype. And then I'm just like, you know what? This is a future short form video, like to get it, like what you yeah. said, to get as much value in the shortest amount of time. That's the attention span. This is the new, it's not the world. I'm not, the world is changing what's going on. I'm not changing what's going on. Like what you said, you're just like, the world is changing. I'm not changing it. It's true. Like this is what it is. And you can change your mind. If you're, if you're one, one viewpoint right now and you're holding back and you're resisting and you're resisting and you're resisting change and you're resisting evolving, you're res resisting adapting, you can adapt and change. And like Robert, like following your career, following your journey, like you've adapted and changed <laughs> Like well, some of the stuff you're saying now, yeah. like from the stuff growing in the industry and being a five to five salon owner and, you know, commission and on my reputation first, then your reputation. Like I can list and list and list and list all the shit I've learned from you. And you're totally like the stuff you're bringing up is blowing my mind because there, I like when you focus so much on one thing for so long, it's hard to change. And I can even admit it's hard to change. And I think a lot of people listening are going to be like, holy shit, like the world is changing. Let's go to somebody we know, Matt Beck. I don't know how well you know Matt. He's doing incredible things. He's got 3 million hits a week on YouTube. Yeah, my uh, YouTube's my new focus right now. YouTube and TikTok. And so pod, my you, podcast. I want a podcast full-time. I, I want my podcast to be my full-time job. <laughs> and I mean, me and you got that in common. We got sweatpants on. We're doing chit-chats. This is awesome. I no stripper. But I talk about Matt Brown, he's a young kid. I just got to know, I gave him a shout out on a hairbrand thing and he was listening, so he nearly shit. Matt uh, Beck? But, uh, no, no, um, his name's Matt Brown. Matt Brown, okay. And uh, I said to him, how's you doing on TikTok? And I took, I said, can I post one of your things? He said, yeah, I posted it. It got like 5,000 views right away. So he's now working on TikTok. Uh, I'm just saying it can come from anywhere. And the thing about short real stuff, I talk to people who want to do seminars for me and I go, how long is it going to take? They go, well, I need eight hours or I need two hours. I go, really? If you watch how I communicate and I can see your little brain going off as I talk to you, I deliver copy every two seconds, a joke, a humor, a bounce. The short format will teach you how to be more dangerous if you really look at it because IGTV let you go longer, but sometimes being longer doesn't make it better. Well, that was Quite last year yeah, or that was two years ago. Yeah, in the IGTV. Short because if you look at a Super Bowl commercial in 30 seconds, I love the one for Jake from State Farm. Now we got Drake from State Farm. I argue with Angus Mitchell. I said, Jake was never a black guy before Black Lives Matter. I'm just telling you, you never seen Jake. He was not that black guy. And look what they've done. But they did this great commercial. But in 30 seconds, a commercial can make you feel something. And that's what you need to get into the copy part. Fewer words, more meaning and how to be dangerous. And if it's how you edit together, um, and put it together as a puzzle. I'm just saying fewer words, more meaning. This is the perfect example for it that could give you the chance to work on a, long, a longer format, but be a student of it. And again, I, 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 it's how I communicate to my team. You know, if I see something I like, or if I see somebody that said something, I've sent clips of you to my team, go and listen to what this young lady said, because to me, it's the way in which I can, instead of me preaching all the time, I can grab examples of what I like. So if it's about diagramming heads and sectioning heads, if it's about discipline haircutting over free-handed haircut, I can give everybody 
insight to it without necessarily doing the class just by tagging them on to other people that inspire you and my son's a 21 year old hairdresser he sends me people that i wasn't aware of and i become their fans and then i start talking to them and it turns out they know who i am and i get so excited and he said dad you're so direct uh, i said well you know i assume you know most of the time i just assume they don't know me uh, and then as I get to communicate, and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you would comment or follow me or whatever. I don't care what level you are. When people give you acknowledgement, it lifts you. And I remember having a conversation in Chicago with Vidal Sassoon told me I was the greatest show me, showman he had ever seen. I agree. And telling you, what, did, what does that do for you when one of your peers that's at the highest level, uh, you can pretty much die after that comment and go, I had a great life. And to me, um, I... I, I just love going to big shows and seeing people do it right. And I go backstage, you know, if they don't know me and say, oh my God, I think last time I did it, Presley Poe, I don't know the girl. She did a ring light thing, did the demo on stage and I ran backstage. I said, I just want to tell you, you were amazing up there. Uh, there was another guy, the one that does perhaps Kim Kardashian's hair. I think his Chris name Appleton. is gorgeous. And I ran backstage to him and he looked like he needed his security to get me away from him. He was so frightened of me because he didn't know me whatsoever. And I said, I could have watched that all day. That's how good it was. And then I can watch other kids up there that have no business being on that stage. BTC stage is a monster. Don't dream about it unless you're ready for it because you can have death by stage. <laughs> I've seen people go through it. Um, you know, I am, I, I'm a trade show guy. So I built my skill set on busking building a crowd from nothing in countries that people didn't know me and I love that feeling and you know it's one thing going for a private audience but if you don't know how to build a crowd how to get their interest how to have a conversation when people see me for the first time at a trade show maybe in London they go oh my god you're incredible I said why because you have a conversation with us most people talk at the audience they're not responding uh, I jump into the audience I go around with a microphone I get them all scared and crazy the stage is a disconnect from an audience. So don't let it get become the barrier that creates a distance you can't replace. So, you know, platform artistry and this type of stuff is a skill set. It's an acquired, it's not a gift. It's something you do through experience. And I'm just saying everybody could do to pay attention to when you see great things and pay attention to the detail of why that worked. Why did that conversation work? Why was that creative? Why was that impactful? And where's the button, the aha, where's the ta-da at the end of it? There's gotta be some trickery and there's gotta be a closure to it. So, you know, this is what I, I try to establish. And, you know, as I say, People who see me often are surprised. I remember the first time I went to the BTC show, BTC show. I hadn't been to any of the shows yet. And I walked out on stage with my beautiful wife and we did that intro little thing they do. And we come out to crickets. My wife and I, and I'm an icon in the beauty, we come out to crickets. I come out on stage and all the Instagrammers there, they're coming out and they got 700,000 followers. Everybody's going ape shit. So I come out in the crowd and I got nothing. I got crickets. Later in that day, I performed for the very first time in front of those people. Think about caper when people see me for the first time. I did four or five haircuts, one with a fork, one with a hat, balloons. And at the end of the show, I had a line bigger than the restroom or the bar. People wanting my picture because I love stealing a show. It's what I look for. I do shows in Italy when I walk in and go, what's this idiot going to teach me? And then they watch me on stage going, oh my God, even though you're in Italy, you're communicating with people. You're making the crowd go nuts. This is to me what you've got to do. We're there to energize the crowd, to give them certain things. And you know, I still love it and I miss it. Uh, but as I said, right now I'm figuring out through technology, how can I be the same, can, like I love Zoom. I love going through the screen of Zoom 
and calling out people's names. I couldn't do that at a show. So there's some real gifts in what's happening right now. And, you know, when people are on my gym, I was on one this week with 100 people. I get to that full screen and I'm talking to them in their living room and I can see them if they're with me or wrestling with me. Uh, that's to me is interaction. And I'm just saying you've got to engage an audience and just being on the platform is a wonderful thing. But, um, you know, people want to be engaged. They want to laugh. They want to learn. They want to, you know, be shocked to a degree. That's what a show is, in my opinion. And these are all elements in which I get to build shows. That's what I'm putting into misdirection. I did a show a few years ago, Gina, where we launched a color line. I did all this latex vinyl I bought out of a kinky store somewhere. And I had 25 models with every color hair you can imagine. And the first morning of gathering, that's what you see. And everybody goes, love the show. It was so good. So the next day I got a trick and I've got seven stations up on the deck. I've got down lights like Captain Kirk beam me up Star Trek. So it's down lights. And what you see is the latex. You don't see the face. And what you see is the purple hair, the green hair, the yellow hair. And then the team come in, we start cutting. And right now it's misdirection. You're not really seeing what's going on. And we're seeing the hair coming off. You're seeing it fly through just like normal. And as I open up the shot and let the light come in, the models were 75 and 80 years old. It's called Stop. the young. So the crowd just went ballistic. My boss said to me, when are you going to tell them they're old ladies? I said, I'll never tell them. I will show them. And as the crowd started to see this, they went apeshit because it's about the young at heart. Uh, it's not just about young supermodels. It's about all this thing. I love misdirection. I love people thinking you're going to go one way. And that's where show business comes into clearly. It's clarity. And the same is true of our words and what type of words you use. And I'm just saying practice and experience will help you. If you don't have the stage practice, practice it on your phone, practice to where you can get it down, write a script, don't be scared of it and get it to where you own it. So that when you stand up there, you actually know how to communicate because communication is the key up there. And, you know, especially when you go to smaller segments, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you've got to learn how to edit your shit down to be dangerous. Every line, every bit, every tick. And, uh, you know, I do that a lot with the Dynamica team. The last time we did BTC show, I've got 14 people on stage. I've got three barbers, I've got two updoers, four colors and a couple of cutters like me. For the audience, they can watch anywhere. And if they don't like me, they've got other things to watch at. Um, you know, there's a, a formula for it. If you're lucky enough like me, sometimes I just shows solo. It's just me up there. I prefer being around a team, to be honest with you. Uh, I like a team um, just because I think it gives more diversity for the audience. And I think that's a big part. And if you're going to work a single chair or a double chair, uh, that can be very lonely up there, you know, unless you really know what you're doing with the crowd and the, the, the camera. And that camera is a big part of a live show. And, you know, first thing I do when I go to a show, I get the camera guy's name. And as soon as I'm up up there, I go, hey, Tom, come on over here. Let's get this. I just control him like he works for me. I've Most learned that from being yeah. on stage the few times I have. And it's so like I once I started directing the camera guy, it, it gave me so much confidence because now I know they can see what I'm doing. Like on stage, it's so hard because they can't see shit. They can't see make, anything. Yeah. And you and I like that advice is such good advice for anyone wanting to do platform work. Get the cameraman's name, because when I started doing that and then even like the brand I was working for, Joyco, they were just like, we're so proud of you that you took control because like it falls flat. And then having the conversation with the audience and getting that engagement, 100 percent amazing advice. Some of the best advice I ever gotten, uh, like just by watching and and trying to pick up because I, I didn't even have stage experience and I was just like I'm going for it and and it was incredible but that's like the such good advice 
Well, the other thing I would just suggest for the kids watching this, uh, some shows that will set up have a confidence monitor. All that is is a screen that's usually off the foot of the stage that shows me what they're seeing. And you've got to get in love with that confidence monitor. Now you can set this up at home with your own TV, go through your Apple TV and you can see that what you think you're doing and showing and what it actually is. And people have to get dead on accurate with that. So if you're trying to show hairline hair and a lot of these Instagrammers make the mistake, when I look at their frame, I can see all of them. I can see their living room and the plants and I can't see the hair. So the reality is, as a learner, I'm not learning because I'm all I'm doing is hearing you because I can't see what's important. But what you learn to do is to isolate and pillar box in the information. So if it's point cutting a 101, you want to narrow that end to that pillar box to bring that action alive. And, you know, it's so, so critical. And, you know, practice is what's going to get you there and paying attention to it. Uh, the practice you don't want is on stage failing at it. You want to be good at it when you get up there because if there's an audience bigger than three to 400, there will be a camera to pick it up. Some shows I do, there's seven cameras. Um, so I'm just saying we got to understand how people learn in our industry. They love good conversations like podcasts and listening to over and over again. I used to listen to a motivational speaker and I could have done his show because I listened to it so much. You mentioned oh. Tony Robbins. Do you know I used to do Tony Robbins's hair? I know. I know. I heard. So <laughs> I, know. He was in, I know, but he used to sit in my chair and then talk to me about business and I couldn't even think about his haircut. And, um, you know, it used to drive me a little crazy because he's so intimidating and so large and, you know, quite an incredible guy. But if you look at what he's done through this um, epidemic and what they've been doing virtually and how they've been going to a new level, what a great way to learn. And, you know, I have some people in San Diego that have been working on his episodes and I'm learning so much from them. How can you take it to a bigger level? How can we create big platform shows without being physically in the room? And almost everybody I've seen try it digitally has failed in my opinion. They're doing digital shows. They're trying to mimic the show they were doing live. And I don't think that's to any plan. Rip that one up and then start again. What's important on television is a very different thing. Um, because some of them are showing stages and platforms and PowerPoint presentation. I'm like, well, you're reenacting what was there. You need to break that mold. You need to start focused on what could new education look like and what would it be? And I'm very excited to take Paul Mitchell digitally, which is coming up. Um, sometimes, you know, we're gathering. We usually sit in the summertime. I will be previewing a show around a product line called Clean Beauty, which is a green thing. Uh, we have bottles that recycle themselves made of sugar cane. Nothing could be sweeter than that. Uh, cool. We've got something very built for the planet as we move forward. It's about green beauty moving forward. Uh, we use Echo Heads, which save water 40% heating water we got to start thinking about the environment as much as everything else and we've done so well with this line because people believe that they want to help the environment people are very conscious especially if they're a younger client uh, my daughter wouldn't go to certain places that had plastic straws uh, they are boycotting businesses every day because of their business practices so much like safety if you can be green it and mean it what can you be doing to be letting people know what types of things you're doing, either to recycle, repurpose, or whatever it is that's important to you. And, you know, that's a big shift for us also. I've never thought of myself much as an eco guy, but I do represent a company that have been formed by two hippie guys that had a solar farm 40 years ago, long before there was a Prius. Talk about vision. So I think it's now time to adapt. And I think a young stylist thinking of working for me may be more inclined to do it because I have green principles. And, you know, I'm just saying, this is the reality. I want to have curb appeal for certain individuals. And this is the way we're kind of guiding our company. And, you know, depending on how, you know, how people interpret it. And where 
somebody said to me, well, you know, I was at a seminar once and the guy said, well, I'm giving you a, a hard drive instead of paper because we're trying to save the world. And then the owner of the company went up there and said, well, I didn't really want to give you the hard drive. I wanted to give it to you in paper. And I said, John, let me tell you something. If you don't honor your people, they'll never honor you back. It may not be your feeling. So it may not be that I am recycling every little bottle and doing all that stuff. But if I don't honor my team who believe in it, they're not going to honor me on the things that are important to me. So being a leader is honoring and respecting where the team's feelings are and being able to take that further. And I think it's it's not easy, but the reality is I, if they're passionate about it, I can be passionate about it on their behalf. A big part for older leaders like me that don't think that matters. The same goes for Instagram. And you know, if you're still on MySpace and trying to get your team invoked in Instagram, then they're not going to listen to you. You've got to be the powerful example. Get on Instagram. I don't care if you've got two followers, you only posted once. I don't care what it is. For you to compete in this world, you've got to be an example. You've got to be part of it. And if all you're doing is giving them high fives on the shit they did, that's all you need Instagram for. And don't forget the other resource. The input that comes through my pages of the people I follow every day, I get inspired by stuff that comes on my feed. So it's not even a what you're putting out there. It's what's delivered to your doorway. And I think nobody in this industry today can afford not to watch it. And it alarms me, Gina, how many people still have resisted these concepts. Um, it's just unbelievable to me. And, you know, there's the, the headlining Instagrammers, but there's still 90% of the industry still don't post consistently, don't take selfies, snapshots, ring light, don't do any of the things that are really most important in the modern day. And, you know, what are we going to do to convince these people that this is a reality of what we've got to do? And especially after a pandemic, there is no choice. This is the way we're going to move forward with this. So get into it at any level, at any age. You know, I'll be 60 next year. Uh, you know, if I can get on these things, then you can too. And, you know, not everything I do, it's like research. As I put something up, I realize it didn't work. I'll try another way. Uh, I love it. It's like the modern day like is applause. And used to be I prayed for applause at a show, but now if I'm doing my job right, people are up there with their iPads and their phones. There's no applause. They're filming it. They're capturing it. I can feel an audience move in on me when I'm hitting the tricks. They're just, oh my God, what is he doing? I can feel the crowd surge. You could feel that you. focus. Yes. Oh, so I don't need the laughter because I can look out and see all the screens and phones going, I'm going, I am killing this. So, you know, everything is shifting in all of our worlds, whether it's the salon, whether you're a freelance hairdresser, I don't think anybody has not been hit by this in some way, shape or form. And, you know, people are working at half capacity, quarter capacity. Uh, one little kind of closing thought, renegotiate, see what you can do with your landlords. Some may say no, but try it again and don't use your emotion, use data. We used to do a hundred thousand a month. Now we're doing 50, here's what we got. Rent could go to percentage rent would be ideal for now. Um, or a half and don't go for the deferred rent. I'll pay it later because you're never going to make that money back. So I'm just saying your landlord should be your partner. Find a way to get a partnership. You may need to get an attorney and it's worth the investment, but I'm just saying what you don't need is a big overhead on today's business. You need to shrink it down for the temporary time being. Try to renegotiate, get people involved, try and get them down, show them your data, show them the numbers, tell them your plan to improve it. And for the next three months, six months, whatever it is, wherever you live, it's different for everybody. Um, give yourself a chance because if you can shrink that overhead, you have a chance of making it through this crazy storm. Because I've seen salon closures from supercuts in my neighborhood to Starbucks in my neighborhood to obviously salons. 
um, this is a reality and if we're going to survive this we got to think very differently and as you can tell by my emotion I'm excited by this I'm not put off by it I'm optimistic I see the world being better when we're through with this and the industry in some way being better in my opinion there's too many salons we learned this in California 780,000 licensed professional go that's why it's so hard to build here we need to stop giving licenses to everybody who thinks they need one I don't mean a beauty professional as an owner we don't need so many salons. What we need is fewer salons with more staff. And whether that's freelance, I could give a hook. We got too many competitive areas that makes it hard to make a living. Um, you know, hackney cab drivers in London only get so many licenses unless one dies or retired. They don't give you new ones. Liquor licenses are like this. So I just think that as we move forward, we got to understand that we don't all have a right of passage because we've been in the hair business, that we should all be salon owners. 100%. You know, I say this all the time. Not everyone should be a salon owner. It's not right. It's absolutely not right. And again, for some folks, it is. And for other people, they'd be better off working. I think the best example I can give you, I don't own a product line, but I sure do work for one. Uh, I, I talk about it every day like it's mine. People almost, when I'm walking in certain countries, they call me the Paul Mitchell guy. People think I'm Paul Mitchell. I can live with all that, but I love this company so much. I'm just saying what my ideal employee could be, somebody who loves the company, who doesn't want the responsibility because it is a huge responsibility. Are you good at managing the books? Are you good at leading the people? Are you good at all of these things? Answers probably no. You're good at behind the chair building a business. Stick to that and find the perfect situation, whether it's a freelance situation or whether it's a team situation, whatever it is. And I love your journey of going from that team thing because Mary used to look at you a lot for your your team play, Neil Dukoff type of stuff. And you knew it wasn't working. A lot of these business models weren't working before the epidemic. It was so really because of me though, because I was traveling, teaching, like I wasn't present as a leader. And I think that if I were present there into it, like I was super like resentful and busy and had no boundaries. And like, I just, and, and I was 23 years old when I opened. You know what I mean? So that is like, and that's okay. But like my journey, I was like not present. And I think presence is huge to be a salon owner. And you don't have to be present in the building 24 seven, but I was checked out and I was working on the business that I wanted. And I kind of neglected the business that I had. And it took a lot of my pride to like realize this is done. I have to close it and I have to move on. And that's why I keep saying on this podcast, it's okay to change your mind. Absolutely. Like it uh, is okay. I've opened maybe seven or eight salons. I've also closed four or five. Yeah. Uh, they're not they're not hair salons. They're called businesses. And if it isn't working and it's not right for you and whether it's your overhead or your team or whatever it is, if you're not happy with it, make the change. I really believe in that because just continuing on because you had to, I think this epidemic has given people the reason to say, you know what? I wasn't really liking this anyway. So why continue just because you were locked into things? I'm just saying this is a change point. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I think I had the same issue. I traveled the world. I'm very committed to my day job. And people, sometimes I'd be in my own salon and people ask me, was I the new guy? Or you look, you, you so I'm like saying, I, yeah, guilty as charged. So one thing I've enjoyed again about this pandemic, I've had more closeness with my people through Zoom, through conversations. We had a team call last night. Uh, it is absolutely inevitable. If you're going to take care of salons, you got to be there. And the owners that I talk to that do so well are usually people on site. They're there every day, babysitting their team. And these are the people who succeed. 
So there is a combination of success in salon businesses, often with partnerships, obviously mostly a business person with a hairdresser, whatever it is, but being present is a big part. And if you decide that's not for you, then you've answered your own question. Uh, you may have started off that way, but ask yourself, do you really get the joy out of being an owner? Is this really where you want to be? Is this taking closer to or not? Yeah. And I was like when in the beginning I was there 24 seven, I was training all my assistants. I was working 50 hours a week and loving it. Like I loved it and I loved training. I loved watching the people grow. Like it was amazing. And then once I started teaching, my heart was pulling me towards that. And it's like you, it's hard to do everything. And I was very, very young and very, very on the growth. Like I didn't know enough. Like it was like, and I always say like Gina Bianca hair was my business school. Like I didn't go to college for business, but I learned a, a lot about business from Gina Bianca hair. Um, really quickly, like you, like you are just the epitome of elevate the beauty industry. Like that's my mission in life. Like I want to leave the industry better than it was when I got here. And, you know, I really think I'm making an impact in doing that. And it like, you know, when you say you, I honored my mentors like that, like made my whole freaking life just so you know, but like everything you said today, comparing us to airlines, you know what I mean? Like you don't, you look at the salon business and, and the hairdresser, like a professional service provider, not a trades person. You talk about all the different ways you can grow all of the guest experience and customer experience. And like, you really are the epitome of elevate the beauty industry. I'm pretty sure you said elevate like 50 times on this call. Like you just say it, like that's who you are. And I just think you're such an amazing person for people to look up to. Absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know how much more time you have. <laughs> we can keep going or I can let you go. Well, I think you owe me this. We can do a chapter two, Gina. We can get together another time. Yeah. Uh, I tend to do, uh, I think with Gordon Miller from Hairbrain, I've done a few and you know we do pretty well with it. I think you just need constant conversation right now more than ever. And in three months, I'm sure I'm going to have a whole updated version of what we just talked about today, because that's the evolutionary thing we're going through. And, you know, I think that the the reality of how I've talked about this epidemic from day one has been positive silver lining. There is a way out. And again, I'm not judging MD who's had to do different things out there to get ahead. But I, I really believe this is the world that we live in. And it's how we adapt my real nature and successful trait i have I'm, I'm a problem solver give me a challenge and i'll figure a way around it not unlike when we get a haircut with a weird growth pattern or you know something that's difficult we got to get creative in different ways and you know for me it was an honor to join you on the show today and i know this will go to a lot of people and you know just like you know there's going to be people that know you really well that probably have never heard or seen me and um, you know I think this is going to be a great reality of that kind of crossover branding which is critical and you know what I love about being the Paul Mitchell art director every show I do I've got a stacked audience in my favor because 60 to 70 percent are future professionals that graduated Paul Mitchell schools and you know this kind of leadership and front-sided sort of thinking comes from JP and Wynn and all the different people you're around I can't go to JP and tell him how bad things suck <laughs> I can't tell him the world is over i can only use what we know and the, the intelligence that's out there and apply it to what we got and um, you know i think that we're both people that are living through it you talked about your first salon gene mp and your schooling this tape series that you listen to so rigorously was built on my first four chair salon called wash house 
and I learned everything about the business, uh, everything that's on seriously came from when I first started in the business. Uh, I invented the color bar out of my little pea brain. I invented a color bar and I want to talk to you guys as visionaries. You know, Vidal Sassoon invented precision cutting and everybody got a hold of it and everybody got to use it and he didn't really he didn't get any financial credit, but when somebody once asked him, how do you feel about being ripped off on precision cutting? He said, as a visionary, I don't care. As a visionary, you don't care. So I don't care that people use the color bar and I don't make a piece of it. As a visionary, I upgraded the business. Uh, a lot of my team at Paul Mitchell say, you're my Vidal Sassoon, where Vidal taught you how to cut hair. I told you how to make a living. And I think the two combinations are there. You don't often hear from a Sassoonie on stage talking about how to make a living. So to me, it's a balance of the two. And I don't care how opposite-minded you can be from a person, there's something to learn. And, you know, Vidal was a very dear friend of mine. I got to interview him on multiple occasions. Uh, I once, he said, I'm going to describe people at home what you're like. And he paused for a minute. He said, you know what? You're indescribable. I said, I'll take it. Uh, he was just an incredible mentor and leader. But I'm just saying, visionary has got to step out, got to do it. And if other people copy you, rip it off. You know, every day I'm seeing things like TC highlights being done. You know, I was the first person you ever seen do a tease. Uh, people used to think it was the most ridiculous thing they ever said. And now I look around and everybody's doing it. And I'm like, that just makes me proud. That's what visionaries do. And the fact that people give me credit or don't, I don't care. Uh, we have added to this industry uh, every day. When I look at our palmitual skills, 110, there's a color bar in each one. There's take home. Uh, there's, you know, every concept we've developed through our salons has been established in those skills. So in a way, I live forever going through these skills. My vision goes on like Vidal's did. And we need more pioneers that aren't so selfish because I'll see all the hate talk of who stole what from who. Uh, pretty much we've all stolen from each other without knowing it. And I don't think you got to give credit for everywhere you get it. You can reinterpret it, but you know, it's not ours to begin with. It really was never ours. And when I see this self-ownership of I'm this and that, and I can see your hands or Sassoon hands, you know, give homage to where it came from. Yeah. But just acknowledge the fact that, you know, uh, it's all there. It's universal. It's all over the world. And I'm just saying, we got to brace each other and we got to understand that as visionaries we got to go to the next level and who copies us and that's you know people say well that's a compliment but they still bitch about it well that's the highest form of flattery well it's not when you say it like that because true visionaries don't care you want to change the world you just want to change the world and you don't need accolades later in a round of applause because you did it um you know my my philanthropic owners jp and paul these guys are helping the planet every day and they don't get a ton of applause for it they don't care they do it when people aren't even looking they're helping organizations and people that people will never know about uh you know so it's just one of those things that's part of our culture and um you know the last thing i'll say because i know we work for companies and we have different beliefs but we're not enemies uh, mm -mm. If we all improve the beauty industry, we're all going to do better. And I think that's where leaders like Vidal and Paul and JP, Paul was very famous as a young hairdresser. He would talk about other companies on stage. Maybe Solano gave him the blow dryer. Maybe somebody gave him a round brush or a razor. He'd go up there and pitch it for him. He figured he could help his buddies at the trade show do better. We all did better. And I've still done that this to, to this day, giving people a leg up or a shout out. Uh, I went to a show years ago with a young man. His name's Trevor Sorby. He was an icon. He's still kicking around. He's an amazing artist. And I go to a show. I'm the kid. Nobody knows me. Everybody knows Trevor. Trevor's got a private model call. I got nothing. I'm picking up toothless ladies in the hallway. I build up a resentment for this guy. I don't really like him. He's a star. And I've just already made up my poor little mind. I dislike the guy. 
I'm standing outside at the end of the day waiting for a taxi to go to dinner and he's standing right beside me, but I pretend I don't see him like people do to me all the time. I'm acting like I don't see the guy. He's Trevor Sorby. He's the biggest icon in the beauty industry. He created the wedge. Here he is standing there. I'm ignoring him, too cool for school. Didn't even have a cell phone to act like I was busy. And he comes over, taps me on the shoulder and said, I seen you cut hair today. You've got the most magical hands in the world. Well, suddenly I realized that this guy is the greatest guy in the world. The next day in class, I'm talking to everybody going, oh, yesterday Trevor Sorby said I was amazing. And people raised their hands and said, we're here today because Trevor told me to come. Talk about playing it forward. Don't judge people. Don't look at the dumbass artists and make a judgment. Go watch them, see what you can learn. From the worst of experiences, you can learn something. Train your eye to find the good and stuff and don't look for the negativity. Uh, I'm just saying I've been guilty of it. And when I've done it, I've been wrong. Do not judge the book by the cover. People do it to me all the time. They'll see me walk into a show and go, who's this idiot? What does he look like? And then they'll hear me speak Gina, or see what I do and go, oh my God, you're my favorite platform artist in the world. We cannot afford as an industry to judge people, whether it's a client coming in with 300 pounds, coming into our salon, if somebody looking slightly homeless, you do not know what a great client can be until you extend it. We, especially as an industry, should not judge people. And I think that goes for as you're an educator, um, you know, as a teacher, as, as a service provider, these are all critical things that make a difference as you move forward. So, you know, to try to leave the judgment at home, um, try to smile at strangers, even with a mask on, try to give love, be courteous, and, you know, really do the things that make you a better person and run that through your day-to-day -day life. And I think if you can do that more and more, it's, you know, I never use my horn in traffic. You know, if somebody was going to get hit by my car, I'd probably use it, but I don't, I don't put the horn up. I don't get pissed off in traffic. I, I just, it's an attitude and you can train your mind because I didn't come out of the beauty school with a great attitude. I was, you know, I had been fired from numerous jobs as a kid. I'm just saying it's something that you can train your mind to, just like the discipline of working out, the discipline of eating. Um, you can train your mind to see what's good in situations and try to get your mind out of the negativity. And if you don't like something, it's not you, you're not the taste police of the world. It's not your job to tell people what you don't like about it. I asked somebody once, you know, they, they mentioned they didn't like it. And I said, what did you like about my performance? They said, when you left, I can take that. I can live with that one <laughs> when I get off stage. But if you can't muster up something good to say and challenge yourself to find good things to say, even though you want to say negativity, how could you put it in writing that it would come off beautifully? Because the reality is if you're clever and you're smart the way you think you are, I can say pretty much anything if I put my time to it of how I say it. But if you're just going to tell me, and this happened to me a few months ago, I put something up there and somebody said, well, you're a douchebag, Robert Cromies. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I read the comment and the comment had validity. But why did you start off with, I'm a douchebag? Why would you say that first? Why would you dare to go that far? Because you would never try it at a show. And I'm just saying, people got to watch what they put in print. I can say a lot of words. I can have fun with people. But if I'm going to dare to write it down in a caption, I just want you to think about it. And when I see negativity on my page, it hurts my little hairdressing heart. It hurts for all the good I've done. And I'm just saying, if my heart can't take it, how can MDL else that doesn't have my experience? So when I see some people saying some really mean things, you can disagree with it. You can give me comments, but when you call me out for something that's very personal, like an attack, uh, that's not the beauty industry I want to be part of. And I want all of you, wherever you're living and you think it's a safe place to make comments on, somebody's seeing that. And if it's some model's hair I cut that you don't like for it, and you talk shit about it, that model's on my page. That model's looking at the page. They're seeing what you're saying. I'm just saying, 
it's fine to think it. You don't have to say it out loud. I think that's something we can all learn from. Um, you know, one of my friends said to me, oh, check this out. What do you think of that? And I said, I know what you're trying to get me to do is talk shit. I'm not going to talk shit about this person right now because it's not going to make us better. Um, you know, find the, the beauty and the quality you see in people. And that's the thing they, they want to hear about. And, you know, hearing what you dislike about me is not going to help me move forward. Um, you know, let's celebrate the beauty industry, celebrate one another, be each other's cheerleaders, which is what I think is beautiful. And just like Vidal reached out to me and I get to reach out to kids and it changes their world forever that I could look at them and say, you could be the next Vidal Sassoon like people used to do to me. That's the encouragement that's going to take the world. And that's the beauty industry I think we'll see in a few years, especially with Paul Mitchell developing so much of the culture of the industry. Uh, we graduate, you know, 16,000 kids a year. We have now for 20 years. We're starting to get up there as the biggest component of the beauty industry as far as touch point. And just like you, kids are leaving our organization and doing incredible things and becoming leaders. Uh, uh, Wes went, uh, Wes, uh, Wes does hair. He's, he went to one of our schools. I mean, as I meet a lot of you famous Instagrammers, I find out that we had a connection, even though I didn't know who you all were. You've uh, built a lot of people, Robert. You've helped well, shape so many people's lives. You have made an impact. Like the one of the, like you have made an impact like your mentors have made on you. Well, I was at a show and I met Guy Tang and I'd known obviously who he was. He had had an incredible victory. And I would hear different negativities on Guy and I watched him on stage and I go, oh my God, this boy's got a beautiful heart. He does. Judge him, just look at his heart and see the pureness in it. And I think it's something you've got to identify with the, the reality. And then when I met him, he said, the first hair show I ever seen was you and Stephanie. Uh, the first time I seen color on stage was you and Stephanie. So the fact that I have had a hand, most likely if you ever went to a trade show, probably the person you were looking at was me or Takashi or DJ. You've seen us and see people now that I meet later and seeing them doing so well, it makes me feel just great. Again, much like a Vidal Sassoon, not that I've contributed to that same level, uh, but at the same token, I've made a contribution and that's what we're looking for is the standard of excellence, that example, the powerful example, not the example of power incredible so let's wrap up and um i just wrote down a few words um that i would like values that i would use to describe you that like because i'm always growing and i will always be a student and just like talking to you like this because like we've never done like a full one-on-one -on -one, like conversation like this and like i'm learning just so much like i've learned so much from you but just i have such a long way to go and i learned so much and some of the things i wrote down were obviously elevate the beauty industry and the things you were saying about, you know, it, it's a clear mission, like as a visionary, it doesn't matter if you get paid. It doesn't matter if you get credit. Like if you're, if you have a true mission to elevate the beauty industry and like you've been saying, like a true mission to grow and lead and, and, and make an impact basically. So, and then I wrote making an impact. Like if that's like one of your values to make an impact and leave the industry better, like it, it's just a beautiful thing to watch and like you can't really go wrong. Um, I wrote down love. It's just obvious like that your, your desire for connection, like with your guests, like you want to make them feel loved. Like you want to make, no one ever takes my picture. Like that pinged my heart. Like I was just like, holy shit. And just thinking of that and like, you already know this, you've already mastered this. Like you're already like, and you lead is such a beautiful example of that. And it's something that I have in my heart too, but it's just something I can focus on more. 
you know, and, and like I keep saying, you can always change and grow like nobody's ever done growing and, and nobody's ever perfect. I also wrote down uncertainty. And this is something that I'm like something that I'm working on as like a muscle. And it's something that I've been working on for a really long time is to value uncertainty more than certainty and to see the gift in everything and to grow with everything. And like, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And hearing you talk about this disaster of a whatever, it, it's not even a disaster to you. Like it's a tragedy. It's a crisis. It's an epidemic. It's a pandemic, but like, there's so much room to grow. And you said it got you even more inspired and like a life of beauty is a life of uncertainty and you just are a pinnacle of that and like it's in so inspiring to me because it's something that I know but it's so easy to go back into that why me what's going on the negativity like all that stuff because I'm not perfect you know and um, I'm growing and I'm learning so much I wrote down those words like as you're just sharing those last things and it just helps me stay towards my mission and to keep growing because it's like we can all have a mission but how can we get there and like what can we do and it's really having mentors and looking at people who have what you want and realizing what it actually is and for me talking to you the clear mission uncertainty is a gift being positive and having love in your heart and making an impact well I remember a couple of years ago, we had their first BTC on tour and you and I were on the same docker and Mary Richter sent it to me because you were just F-bombing all over the place that you're going to be on stage with Robert Crowe's and you were going off. I'm like, oh my God, this girl is unbelievable. And as much as we were on the same ticket, kind of like rock bands, we weren't really on the same platform, but I would love one day, Gina, for you and I to take the stage. And I already have big trade shows talking to me about the future. Chicago want to give me my own theater, which I could premier talent that I admire. Um, that's a, regardless of product affiliation, it's really about who can help the industry the most. And I would absolutely make a promise to you that one day you and I, my young lady friend here, we will be on stage together. Are you trying to make me cry? <laughs> No, no, I just think it's something we should do because I want to share my dream with like-minded people here, you know, and I sometimes work with other artists and that's always awesome. But the thing that keeps me authentic is working with people I really believe can help you. And if I can stop their clock for a minute to give the platform to a person like you that can help them, you know, not every clever idea needs to come out of my mouth. Uh, I love the dynamic of teams. I believe in the team and I believe in the diversity of teams. So one day in the not too near future, we will get an opportunity to do something. And whether we do it through Zoom or whether we do it in a live performance, I, I want to challenge you that you and I could do this and uh, bring a whole new message to the beauty industry about you know, not just the companies we represent, that's irrelevant right now. And you've seen this happen already. We are getting closer as an industry. And um, I just think that the, the reality of like-mindedness is really the key and having people see it in different ways is where the true learner gets it. And they may have heard it from me a hundred times and never got it. And then you put it into Gina and suddenly went, I got it, Gina told me, even though I told them a hundred times, you were the, that little edge that took it over the edge. And I think that's where people got to hear diversity uh, and echo a similar message, but done in their own way and their own example. So I look forward to doing that with you. You make me very, very happy and proud. I wish I got to know you sooner, but my getting to know you is just like a super, a super fun. Uh, it wasn't because somebody said, oh, you should watch Gina. I watched Gina because I seen it. I could see your power. I could see your passion. I could see why you were dangerous and I could see why you had such 
traction with the community and it was just a beautiful thing to witness without knowing I had a hand in it and I wish you every continued thing but don't forget we've all been growing and when I was a young owner like you I didn't know what the hell I was doing I didn't have the mentorship maybe as platform owners I did but as business owners and coaches I had a lot to learn I kind of did like a lot of hairdressers I opened it and then figured out what to do with it and I'm just saying right now through conversations that you're having where you're at this is the stuff that leads people and you know jp's favorite saying and i'll close with this success unshared is failure failure unshared is failure so i've always been quite honest with the group if i had to close the salon i'm going to talk about it no matter what's happening i'm going to tell them the truth because that's what they need to know and if i failed at something and then figured out another way to do it i think it's important to share that as much as the victories and you know that honesty is what people need and i don't think this is a make-believe world what's given me credibility for the last 35 years i speak my heart i speak my mind i'm authentic i'm passionate about it and i'm pretty you know contagious <laughs> i hate the word right now but that <laughs> yeah but i you know i can affect people i affect people that are feeling down i can make owners that think they're going to close and burn their salon downs have faith in the future and i would just say that this is a beautiful industry i think we both love it we're going to protect it and think about the effect you're going to have on young kids like i did with you uh, this is going to be a beautiful thing that you know they're going to come up there and they're not going to know who i am but they're going to know gina uh, <laughs> to say i'm happy to be replaced uh, but to me right now the people with a voice in the industry need to come together we need to work closer together and show the industry there is unity and there is power of that togetherness and um, i'm really just proud to be on your podcast today and be able to deliver some messages uh they can check me out at robert chromings on my instagram i'm always posting shit whether it's hair business philosophies uh you know keep an eye on me and uh you know as i say gina keep it up darling i think you're so impressive and i don't think md can stop you and um you know you're just a powerful example and i think if i had one criticism of the beauty industry there's not enough female power and my wife's a great example people may watch me you better to turn into my wife she's the powerful example you need and i think more and more our industry needs more female representation uh more people of color all the way through we need the diversity that makes our industry brilliant and i just think that for me uh, I've been very fortunate to be a rock star male hairdresser in a very much a minority position in the female industry. But let's not forget to celebrate the leadership in the female capacity, which if anything, Instagram has probably done more for the female hairdresser than ever before. Because used to be in my 80s and 90s, you were a, you were a rock star boy. That's what it was. And female audiences loved it. So I'm just saying this is a game changer that's happening right now. And I just say, what a great leadership and how great the industries, you know, how wonderful to be in your hands as we move forward and other females like you. Um, this is the world we live in. I think it's fair. Uh, it's realistic and they can relate to it because, you know, many people think, well, you're a guy, you can get away with that. What is a superwoman doing right now to protect their businesses and do that? And what are the conversations and your honesty, uh, your perfectly calculated use of the F-bomb, uh, all of that brings a realness to it because everybody became a manufacturer's wah, 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 wah. And that to me is not what people believe in. They need that honesty, they need the integrity. And you are just a perfect example of that, Gina. So what an honor to be on your show today. And I look forward to working with you again in the future. Thank you. I'll be practicing. I'll be perfecting it. My stage stuff that I learned from this, <laughs> I'll keep growing and yeah. um, keep leading by example. Thank you so much, Robert. It's an honor. My pleasure.